Wow, what a great, great morning, uh, even from afar. And um, I'm really blessed by the fact that we get to be together. We get to be together on this medium. It's not our preferable way to get together, but uh, we get together, get together nonetheless. And um, it's a good thing. I love that people are texting each other because my phone is blowing up right now with all sorts of greetings and encouragements and questions and pictures. And that's a great thing. Um, you know, two weeks ago, we were able to meet together as a spiritual family to worship and pray and to instruct our kids and to open God's word. And then last week, well, things changed and we weren't allowed to gather in groups more than 10. And so a small group of us gathered in Scott's basement and we watched as your families came in and they watched, you watched from your homes and we still got to worship and pray and instruct our kids and open God's word. And now here we are quarantined, sheltered in place because of orders from our county and the city. And so this Sunday, we're doing something that I thought I would never do before, which was speak a Sunday message to you while you're in your home and I'm in mine. But by God's grace, and here's the important thing, by God's grace, we are still meeting in worship and we are still in prayer and we are still instructing our kids and we are opening God's word. We've watched this past week as many have captured on social media how we were living as the church. And so let's be clear, what I want you to do in this coming week, so we have some new photographs, is go to Facebook or go to Twitter or go to Instagram and hashtag your photographs with Let's Be Church or Love Your City, uh, CLC Gwinnett. In fact, do all three of them. That way we kind of see what's happening. Here's some pictures that we had from last week. There's two of my grandsons right there in, in superhero costumes watching the live stream. And here's another picture of someone watching it on their computer. And then finally, this is probably one of my favorites, was an actual post that Jay and Frankie made. And they said this, I'm kicking myself for not taking a picture of it, but the young people from our CLC home group just knocked on our door and ran 10 feet away to say hello. They dropped Jay off some donuts on the patio table. So very intentionally kind of them. They've been so thoughtful to check if we need anything. I feel spoiled. Let's be church. That's where it's all at. I think we've all been moved by seeing pictures and postings this week of humans just being human and reaching out to their neighbors and applauding the superheroes that are on the front lines and and singing songs for them, or virtual concerts that had been put together. It's just been such a blessing to see that people really can come together. Some things I've really, that have really stuck out to me in this age of COVID-99 is that such a time helps us remember that our trust is not in what we can do for ourselves, but our trust is in God. Our trust is in the name of the Lord. And it's not even in what he provides for us, though we are grateful for his provision, we pray this thing every day, give us this day our daily bread. But it is in the provider himself. And that, in the midst of a world pandemic, we're also seeing that the greatest deception in humanity is being uncovered. And that is that we assume we're in charge. But we're not. We're not in charge. We think we are, but it's really God. 
And it's also given us opportunity to choose faith over fear and to choose prayer over worry and to choose generosity over hoarding and selfless love over self-preservation. And last week I told you that I, I believe this could be the one of the church's finest hours. And I, I think that it's our opportunity that we would be a part of that, especially in our generation. And then maybe we've come to this time, this moment, in this neighborhood, in this virtual setting for such a time as this. But it probably doesn't surprise you that just as, as positive as we can be and faith-filled, there are also a lot of people that are promoting negative ideas and fear and anxiety. There are also a lot of people that are espousing theological answers for questions that everybody's asking and all the noise and the commentary and the narrative of really smart and well-meaning people. But sometimes I just wonder if they're missing it just a little bit. I want to say to you loud and clear, I don't know exactly what all this means. People are asking, what is it that God is doing in this hour? What is he doing? And I'm going to say, as a pastor, as a spiritual leader of our church family, as a minister of the gospel, I don't fully know. I know he does. I know he knows. But I'm not going to pretend that I have all the answers when the truth is, is I'm asking a lot of questions. I'm going to be very careful pronouncing exactly what God is up to. There have been way too many instances, even in my lifetime, when servants of God have pronounced what God was doing, but in the end, their analysis didn't seem all that legit. I'm looking at you, all you Y2K doomsdayers. You remember that time? Everybody telling us what God was saying and what God was doing. Or what about the 9-11 or Hurricane Katrina prophets who told us that God was judging New York or New Orleans? And then we have those who've aligned themselves with particular candidates as if that is what God is doing. Or those that have debunked predictions about when the world was going to end. And then they have to revise it when it doesn't happen. I think we should be very, very careful about proclaiming that we know what God is fully up to. Even as we listen to God's voice and read scripture and walk in his spirit, and we can be led by his spirit. We need to be careful when assuming we know what all this is about. When people ask me if, if this is the sign of the end of the times, my answer is, yeah, but it's not like coronavirus started. It's not like it was the beginning of the end of the times. We've been living in end times from the moment Jesus ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father and is waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Yes, we're living in the end times, but we were living in the end times a thousand years ago. We were living in the end times on the day of Pentecost. So even though we understand that Revelation talks about certain signs of the end times, like sword and famine and, and plague and wars and rumors of wars, and Jesus spoke about these things too, I don't want to get caught up in trying to predict the sign. I want to be caught up in obeying the Lord. It's not for me to know the times or the seasons. I can be evidenced by certain things I see, but if I consume myself on that rather than on the great commission and the great commandment, 
then I've disobeyed the Lord. But this coronavirus, it's not the start of the end. It's just a continuation of the end until one day he will return. And we will see a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And it will be a great day where every tear is wiped away and all pain and sorrow and viruses are gone. And there will be no more death. And that is a glorious day for which we are looking. But we're not going to be caught up in the fear and the anxiety and trying to predict the times based on what we see. So with all of that being said, let me try to stay in my lane and humbly say a few things that I hope will help us. As coronavirus anxiety continues to soar and our medical system is stretched beyond its capacity and our doctors and nurses, many of which are in our community, we need to be praying for them as they're on the front lines of this battle. But as they are being continually in harm's way, and the world's economy seems to have ground to a halt, I'm reminded that God is still on his throne. He never left. He didn't step down for a few moments and then all this happened. I'm reminded that God is not a victim to our circumstances. He is working in all of this. He is after something in you and me. He desires for us to respond to him in the midst of what we're facing. It, it reminds me of the hope-filled chapters of the book of Isaiah. The book is, is such a great book, and you, you really have a lot of time, so spend some time reading it. But the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah are basically speaking of God's judgment upon Israel for their rebellion and their stubbornness that they would be taken into Babylonian exile as a way of disciplining them. But then in the second half, starting in chapter 40, Isaiah starts announcing comfort and hope and that God was going to do a new thing. And, and God's reminding Israel, and really he's reminding all the nations of the earth that he is God, that God alone is God, and there is no one like him. In fact, Look at this verse in Isaiah 46, 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God is not a victim of the coronavirus. He is not at its mercy. God is in a class all by himself. There is none like him. And when it, when, when he has to resort to saying things like, I am God, it's because people are acting like they don't really think he is. When God has to remind us who he is, it's because we weren't paying attention to him in the first place. I think I can... I think with pretty good backing, I can say with some assurance that God is saying to us in these days that he is God. He is making the declaration, I am God and there is no other. I am the Lord and there is none like me. I've been visiting with my uh, dear friend, Wayne Williams. Many of us know him. In fact, he's James's father. And Wayne is such a tremendous friend to me, a prophetic 
a gifting that he has, and he's always sharing with me. And he wrote this blog just a few days ago that really captured my attention. He said this, in this season, I believe God has lifted his hand of grace enough to shut down society as we know it for one specific purpose. He wants us to put him first and to listen to him. First of all, he wants the attention of the church. Secondly, he wants the attention of the world. He is God, and there is no other. Wayne is, is reaffirming that God is God and that there is no other one. There is no one like him. That's something we need to be affirming right now, right in the midst of this season. He is God, and there is no other. And this season is captured clearly, Wayne goes on to say, by what Jesus spoke in the book of Revelation when he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And then verse 22, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That is what, the, that is what Jesus is asking us right now. That's what he's doing right now. He is standing at the door of our hearts, and he is knocking. Do you hear it? Listen. Listen in your heart. Do you hear Jesus trying to get your attention? Is he there knocking on your door? Have you opened it? Do you want to know what he has to say? Do you want to hear his perspective on what we're facing in this today in our world? Jesus is at your door. He's at my door. He wants us to open it and to invite him in. He wants us to listen to him, not to all the noise of the news media, not to all the news reports that we're going to read and hear about, but to him. In fact, for every minute that you spend listening to the news about this coronavirus, could I challenge you to listen to Jesus 10 times that amount? Maybe don't listen to all those voices at all, but listen to Jesus because he's the one that has the words of life. Fellowship him. Focus on him. Spend time with him. Ask him to show you where things need to be adjusted in your life, what things he wants to do, a new work in you, and give him the attention that he deserves. That's important to him. Pastor Ray Ortland tweeted this this week, and I think it's a good admonition to us. If we as followers of Jesus get through this only to return to normal with a sigh of relief, but without repentance, without prayer, without courage, then we will have wasted a historic moment. And then what more will the Lord have to do to shake us awake? I pray that the Lord will help us to not have to be shaken awake with something else. I pray that we would open the door for him, that we would invite him in and let him realign us to his will and his purpose. Let me close with this verse in Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God that he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, says the Lord. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. And it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Why don't you pray with me right where you are? Lord, we hear your words today. We ask that you would help us to respond to you by opening the door. Behold, you're standing at the doors of our hearts. You're standing at the door of every heart, of every person that's listening to these words, and quite frankly, to every person that's on the face of this earth. You stand at that door knocking. And I ask, Lord, that those that are listening to my voice and those that we are loving and intentionally engaging with relationally and those that we have opportunity to witness to and testify to God's goodness, I pray that we would all open the door and that we would respond to you by seeking your face while you may be found and hearing your voice to set things right in our own hearts Align us back to your will, I pray, and let us be the true light of the world you've called us to be and the salt of the earth that you have fashioned us to be. Lord, don't let this opportunity pass us by. Don't, don't let us be numb or dull to what you're saying and doing, forcing us to have to have another thing that would get our attention. Wake us up. Wake your people up and wake up the world to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. I pray for everyone who's listening, for everyone who's engaging in shelter at home, quarantining themselves, being safe where they can be protected from this virus. I pray that they would receive from you the fullness of all that you have for them this day that they would get the full benefit of your faith and victory, that they would have the blood of Jesus cleansing them of all unrighteousness, and that they would see your purposes revealed even in these days of quiet and solitude and Sabbath. Lord, help us to respond to you and open the door. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as James mentioned, next Sunday, we'll be back together on this platform, more than likely. And we're going to have communion at the end of our time. So you be gathering the elements, some grape juice or some wine, or you can probably use any type of juice if you want to. And some bread, have it available for you and your family, those that are there in your home. And then we'll share together in the Lord's table. The Lord bless you. We love you. Please respond to any of your small groups, your small group leaders. If you have needs, if you have prayer requests, we want to respond to you and care for one another well. Until next time, bless you.